Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for these precious children that you have given to us. We thank you that they are becoming adults and that as all generations before us who belong to you, that we may trust you in the care of our children and their discipline and that what will come to them will have passed through your hand as a loving father. Now, as we come to your word, we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of every heart here will be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our redeemer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, what I would like to do is do what my wife told me to do, which is to do that thingamabuggy I did years before that she remembers. And uh, Jake was going to preach this morning, but um, I got a promotion, so I'm in the pulpit. And uh, I want to go through a number of scriptures and, and, and just make some observations about uh, what it means to become an adult, what it means to be starting out as an independent adult having graduated, and think a little bit about youth. So the first scripture I want us to read this morning is Hebrews 4, 7 that says, He again fixes a certain t- day. Today, saying through David after so long a time, just as been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Um, As the years go by and you spend more time Okay, I'm doing better. As you spend more time as a pastor of a church, what you watch over the course of your life's work is a succession of people hardening their hearts. If you've ever read the parable of the seed and the sowers, you know that of the four seeds, only one of them ended up producing fruit. And there are a lot of people who have been in the church who, as the years go by, uh, depart from the church. And uh, we're not talking about people that move away to take a job or go to grad school or something. We're talking about people who, them leaving the church is them repudiating and rejecting the discipline of the Lord. And anybody who's been a pastor for any length of time knows that life is filled with people who turn from God. All right? And so, as you set out on life at this point in your life, you may be young, but if so, I want you to hear this statement, and of course all of us need to hear this statement, which is today, if you hear his voice, God's voice, the voice of God, do not harden your hearts. Scripture never commands us to avoid doing something that we're not capable of doing, nor does it tell us to do something that we're incapable or to not do something that we can't help it. In other words, Scripture's commands are directives to get us to do things that we are capable of doing and to not do things that we're capable of not doing. In other words, it is possible for everyone here to harden their heart. Let me say it again. 
it is possible for you to harden your heart. Now, it seems difficult for any young person to harden their heart because when we think of hardened hearts, we think of people who are older. But how many young people you do see harden their hearts against the counsel and the rebukes that they get from their parents? I have a grandson who recently owed me an apology for a couple of things. And it was not, as they say, forthcoming. And why do we not apologize Why do we hurt our hearts? Well, it's always the same reason. It's because of pride. We just don't want to admit we're wrong. And so today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Whose voice? God's voice. Don't take for granted that you hear God's voice. Don't take that for granted. It's a privilege for you to hear the voice of God. Those of you who are young. There are many people who would plead with God to, again, let them hear his voice. You think of Saul on in his life. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Then Ephesians 4, 17 to 24 adds to this warning. The Apostle Paul writes, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. Now, you know that the Bible says that Gentiles can be saved. That's the whole Judaizer conflict, right? That Gentiles too can be saved. So here it's not using Gentile in that sense. Here it's referring to those who are godless, who do not belong to God, the worldly, all right, as Gentiles. And so what is true of Gentiles? We're told not to walk any longer as the Gentiles walk, and then it's defined. Here it is, in the futility of their mind. In a university community, we have many occasions to see the futility of minds, okay? It says, don't walk like Gentiles. Don't walk in the futility of their mind. Don't be like them. And then it says, being darkened in their understanding. And so uh, their minds are futile and their understanding is darkened, all right? And then it says, excluded from the life of God, so their, their understanding is futile. It's hopeless. Their, their minds are darkened, okay? They are excluded from the life of God. Why? Well, because of the ignorance that is in them. Now think about this. Their minds are futile. Their understanding is darkened. And the ignorance in them is so deep that they are excluded from the life of God. Now, does this sound like a seeker-sensitive text of Scripture? You know, this is, this, is, this is the way you speak to people who have no faith in God. You know, you, 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 you say, um, do you realize how blind you are? Uh, do you realize your mind is futile? Your understanding is darkened. You're excluded from the life of God. And this is because of the ignorance that is in you. But this is being said to Christians We are not to be like this. And then it gives the purpose or the reason or the causative agent. And it says because of the hardness of their heart. And so listen. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you do harden your heart, 
your mind is going to be futile. You're going to walk like the Gentiles. Your mind is going to be futile. Your understanding is going to be darkened. You will be excluded from the life of God, and it will be because of the ignorance that is in you and because of the hardness of your heart. This is, this is an intense, intense description of those who harden their hearts and do not listen to God when he calls them to repent. Okay? I know that you think, you know, all of us have occasion, those of us who are raised in Christian homes, we have occasion to watch the development of our siblings, right? Our brothers and sisters. And how do you explain the condition of some of those who have grown up in a Christian home? How do you explain it? It's appalling. Their pride, their greed, their lust, their drug addiction. And yet they grew up knowing God. They tasted of the things of the Spirit. Well... Here's the diagnosis. They're walking like Gentiles. Their mind is futile. Their understanding is darkened. They are excluded from the life of God, and it's because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. That's why. And so you go to family reunions, and you think, well, you know, I'm going to choose the perfect witness. You know, I'm not going to get mad this year. I'm going to do the dishes after every meal. I'm going to be there during the small talk. I'm going to do everything right. And then I have this prepared for that sister, that brother, you know. And, and it doesn't matter what you say. God has darkened their minds. God has made them incapable of understanding. God has excluded them from the life of the believers. They have hardened their heart. It actually doesn't depend on you. It isn't what you did that hardened their heart, and it isn't because you don't say the right thing that their heart remains hard. It's because God has excluded them from the life of the people of God. Don't Don't think of God as just a sap, a foolish grandfather handling out candy. When we are given an opportunity from God to repent and we harden our heart, there are a succession of judgments that hit us that are appalling. And I haven't read the final one here, which is where it says having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. What a perfect description of the United States of America. You read any of the founding fathers and then you look at America today, and what you see today is that we, as a nation, have given ourselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. I mean, could you write a better description of the United States today? We've given ourselves over to sensuality. We practice every kind of impurity, and we're greedy. Right? I mean, this is us. They have become callous. And so when we give ourselves over to pornography, what happens? 
Well, you know that when you look at naked flesh, then you need different naked flesh. And then, guess what? You scoop fire into your lap, and you get burned. So you commit adultery, and then adultery, like, you know, David Bowie and Mick Jagger, adultery isn't enough. Then you have to commit sodomy. And there's just this progression of filth and, and decadence that comes. And that is the United States of America today. It's not enlightenment, actually. It's not progress. It's not the evolution of the sophisticated culture. It's decadence, all right? We are decaying. And the putrefaction is awful. It stinks to high heaven. And if you think I'm making that up, read the Old Testament, what it says about the land of Israel, the promised land, why God cleaned out the Canaanites and what he warned the people of God as they came in. Don't make this land stink because it will vomit you out. You give yourself to the things the United States of America is going to give itself to in 2019 and the land will vomit you out. Okay? And so why? Because our consciences have become callous. We have become callous. Now, what does it mean to become callous? Well, what it means is that you take an iron, you turn it on very high, like for linen, okay? And then you take your forearm, you take off the shirt, you take the iron, and you put it down on your forearm, and it goes... And then it takes a while for it to heal, and when it heals, it has become callous. You can't move it the way you used to be able to move it. Because why? Well, because you have abused the skin on your arm, and so it's incapable of the resilience and the, the expandability. It doesn't have the plastic ability of moving around and giving way that it used to have. And that is becoming callous in your conscience where you say no to God, you say no to God, and pretty soon what happens is you don't even have the ability of hearing the voice of God. You don't have the ability of being ashamed of your sin any longer. You become shameless. And this is what the Bible is saying. That those who do not belong to God, what? Their minds are futile, their understanding is darkened, they're excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they become callous. They've given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Okay? And so this is what we don't want for our children. What we want for our children is for you to cultivate your ability to hear the voice of God and to be responsive to the voice of God. To be quick to obey. To be quick to repent. Okay? And it's a gift. And so ask God for the gift. Ask God to give you good understanding. Ask God to give your mind light. Ask God to restore the sensitivity of your forearm. 
Confess to God that you have looked at things that you should never have looked at and that you want God to restore to you your ability to be ashamed at looking at such things. And I want to tell you that an awful lot of growing in grace or sanctification, an awful lot of getting older in Christ, is to find yourself having restored to you discomfort at sin. You know, the older you get in Christ, the more sin actually irritates you. That's part of the process of sanctification. When God gives you back your ability to to just not like sin. And it is helpful to not like sin. And it's what happens when your understanding is restored to you. Your thinking has light when you are responsive One of the things that is clearly true for Mary Lee and me as we're now in our 60s is that both of us all of a sudden have restored to us the ability of feeling the immodesty that surrounds us in our culture. That men aren't men and women aren't women. Because when we were young, we trashed it. We got rid of it. We took an iron and we seared our forearm all the time over sexuality. It's like, that doesn't matter. Are you, oh, you're so old. Chill out. Let's be persons. I don't want to be a man or a woman. I want to be a person, you know. And then you get older, and all of a sudden, you look at the way people are dressed. One of the things that I have become hypersensitive to, and it's a restoration of what God intended. <laughs> Yikes, am I really going to say this? Maybe not. Okay, I'm not looking at anybody. I have nobody in mind. Okay, everybody knows I don't have anybody in mind. One of the things I become really sensitive to is hair. You wouldn't believe what you all say to each other through your hair. And of course, everybody denies it. No, my hair doesn't say nothing. It's like, okay, okay, yep, yep, yep. Your hair says nothing. You know, you pay an arm and a leg to the hairdresser to have your hair say something, and then you deny it says anything. No, 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 my hair is just utilitarian. Listen, if, if the United States of America and the Western world is trying to trash manhood and womanhood, which is a gift from God, which we are to obey, if they're trying to trash it, Christians have restored to us sensitivity to the beauty of manhood and womanhood. Wouldn't that be part of if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation? Old things are passed away, behold, all things become new. Wouldn't sexuality become new? Wouldn't it restore its purity? Wouldn't it restore its handsomeness and its beauty? And so plead with God to be resensitized to the beauty of femininity and to the, to the glories of manhood. Ask for God to give this to you. Don't have callous consciences. Don't sear your conscience. Give yourself to God. And, and fall in love with the tenderness of a baby's bottom. Right? Right? 
You know, any of you change diapers? Unbelievably tender skin. Just so tender. That's what you want your conscience to be like. You want your conscience to be beautifully tender because the Holy Spirit has changed you. Okay. Matthew 13, 10 to 17, and this is a warning, all right? And then we'll, we'll get to uh, the promises. Matthew 13, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, why do you speak to them in parables? Now, mind you, he is speaking to Christians. Now, I know they weren't Christians, but he's speaking to the people of God. He's speaking to Jews. He's speaking to church members. <coughs> Excuse me. His disciples say to him, why are you teaching in parables? And Jesus says, this is the reason I teach the Christians using parables. Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. So we can separate ourselves into those who have and will be given more, and those who don't have and won't. And those are in parallel construction with those who understand the parables, those who don't. He teaches in parables so that those who have will be given more, and so those who have not will not be given. Now, that means we can go through this congregation and be convinced, absolutely convinced, that there are many here who have not and will receive less from the preaching of God's Word. And there are those who have and will be given more through the preaching of God's word. Okay? You all with me? Then he says, because while seeing, so he admits they see, they hear the parable. He says, because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, so Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, so Jesus says, this is the reason I do it. The prophet Isaiah prophesied that I would do what I'm doing, all right? That I would teach in such a way that those who see would not see, those who hear would not hear, and those who hear would not understand. I'm fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, you will keep on hearing but will not understand. You'll keep on seeing but will not perceive For the heart of this people has become dull with their ears. They scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. Come on. We see this all the time. You know, I've been doing this silly little exercise in stupidity called uh, man up, where I say, a man does this, and effeminate does this. And effeminate is a word for a soft man. So, so a man marries and has children and provides for them. And effeminate sits at home and plays video games and, and looks at pornography. You all with me? And immediately, what happens is all the effeminates just get, just get so angry at me because I'm being simplistic right? Oh, you could have said that better. Who are you talking to? Just, just the, are you just preaching to the choir? You know, 
And it's hilarious. It's hilarious because the effeminates can't stand to have their condition diagnosed. And so when I say, hey, you know something? If you're effeminate and you're sitting at home in your parents' basement playing video games and looking at naked flesh, here's an idea. Become a man. Find a woman to love, to marry, and to have children with. It's like, you stupid idiot. How old are you? I'm 65. Yep, that's what I thought. You know, you think things are so simple. I can't find a woman. Well, no, actually you're finding lots of them, but they're not marriageable because they're on your computer. And so remember what I said earlier. In any congregation, you have a lot of people who cannot understand. They cannot hear. They cannot see. And it's not just God's dispensations. It's their choice. They, he says here, they've closed their eyes. I'm teaching so that they can have what? I'm using parables so that they can have plausible deniability. Do you see this? And man, you preach and people come up to you afterwards and they say, Pastor, I just didn't understand what you're saying. Are you saying that I can't this? And are you saying I have to do that? And it's like, sometimes they're sincere questions. But a lot of times it's, it's the excuse that allows them to leave in the same condition they came in. Okay? You have children like this. You give them good instruction. You know, you say... Honey, I don't want you eating before dinner. You know? And so they go get a soda pop. And then another one, and then another one. And by the time dinner comes, they're full. And they sit there, and their plate gets cold. And you say, did you eat before dinner? And they say, no. And then you think, oh, man, they... did you drink soda pop? Yeah. Why? Well, you said I couldn't eat before dinner. <laughs> in which case, if you were in my house, I'd say, you stupid idiot. You knew very well. We were telling you, don't get fold, filled up before dinner. Now, you're going to sit there until you're done eating. Listen, don't play God for a fool. Don't play the Holy Spirit for a fool. If you don't hear the voice of God, if you don't understand what your teacher and your pastor is saying to you, assume that it is not that they're stupid, but that you are a rebel and that you're proud, that you're unteachable. Because if you're teachable, even a stupid teacher can be helpful. Right, Judy? Yeah, yeah. And so you can learn an awful lot from a pretty thick-headed pastor. All he has to do is read Scripture to you, and it's helpful. So if you're not growing in the faith, it's not actually my fault. I might be living in a way that is contrary, and I often am. But this is no excuse to you. God calls you to be teachable to not close your eyes, to not stop up your ears, and to not deny that you understand what you're being taught, okay? 
And then he ends this by saying to his disciples, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear. And I want to say that to the children of this church who are here today that God has given you a wonderful gift in allowing you to be here and to hear the Word of God and to to have the ministry of the Holy Spirit and to know about Jesus Christ. Many godly people in past centuries never had the privilege of knowing what you know. You've been given a wonderful privilege being raised in this church. And I know that sounds so self-serving, but listen, it's your parents, the godly ones of this church, who have faith to have children and who have instructed you in the things of God. And so don't cast away this precious gift you've been given to his children. To whom much is given, much shall be required. You are blessed. Now, Mary Lee, I told you, told me to preach this sermon. You remember that? What she actually said is, preach your sermon on Ecclesiastes. Well, I didn't know what she was talking about. I think this is probably the sermon, although she hasn't heard anything she remembers so far. But let me read a couple texts from Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes 11, beginning with verse 8, we read, Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything that is to come will be futility. Rejoice, young men during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood, and follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. You yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. You're going to get old, and old is a time of darkness. You're going to get old. Most of your days will be darkness. The days of darkness will be many. You're still young, you're going to get old, and those will be dark days. And so rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. And follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes, and yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. You know, the judgment of God is something that all of us are hypersensitive to. But never say a word to anybody else about it. It's like this secret that we all share, and it's a commitment we all have to never talk about that secret. But you see God's judgment going on around you to the people around you all the time. Okay? The Bible says that the fool will die. And many of you who are young have already seen fools die. Now, we don't go around preaching their death sermon, their funeral. This fool done died. But all of us know precisely what has happened. And across the course of your life, you are going to see again and again and again and again God making good on his promise. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. The one who sows to his sinful nature, from his sinful nature will, receive, will reap destruction. And the one who sows, to the, who sows to the Spirit will unbelievable blessings. 
And so you will see this fulfilled. I'll never forget in a former church uh, where I was actually the youth worker. And I remember that there was a father of a young woman in that youth group who was an alcoholic. Lots of alcoholics in our community. And then one day, she was crying. Why was she crying? Her father died. Why did he die? He was drunk. And he hit like a telephone pole. And he died. And this is what the Bible says. From his sinful nature will reap destruction. I didn't know the man. I have nothing against him. But if you choose to be a fool, you will die. Okay? This is not hypothetical. This is obvious every day. Constantly we are observing God giving the consequences to fools for their actions. Remember, it says, yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. You say, well, I'm a Christian, and that means I escape God's judgment. No, you do receive God's judgment with his mercy and his grace. Okay? God does not ordain it that life has no consequences for Christians. Okay. Then Ecclesiastes chapter 12, remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. And I'm not going to read the rest of that text because I'm out of time. But there will be many, many years where your sense of smell will be gone, your sense of taste will be gone, your hearing will be bad, your eyesight will be poor, your joints will creak, and they will creak especially at the places where you hurt them because you were foolish when you were young. Okay? And so listen to me. I'm not playing games in what I'm saying to those of you who are young. A couple other things and we'll be done. First Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 19 Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now... Do you want to be useful to the master, to Jesus? Do you want to be useful to him? Now, flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. In other words, join arms with your friends who are seeking to be useful to God. Pursue these things with them. All right, choose your friends carefully. Then Psalm 119, you may struggle with these lusts, and it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. 119.9. If you say what my sons used to say when they were kids, you remember? They'd say, but dad, it's hard. 
It's hard. But dad, it's all hard. Any of your sons ever say anything like that? Lamentations 3, 26. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for a man that he should bear what? That he should bear the yoke in his youth. It is good for the man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. It's hard, and this is a feature. Let him sit alone and be silent since he has laid it on you, on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust, perhaps there's hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter, let him be filled with reproach. For the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. Mary Lee and I have the joy in a couple of weeks of going out for a wedding. All right? Why am I going to this one? Well, because this kid, I mean, he's a man, but this man has really, 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 uh, what would I say? Um... Yeah, yeah, made shipwreck. Uh, yeah. And we went through it with him. I did, actually. Long distance. And I mean, it was just awful. And then guess what? Um... He didn't live happily ever after. He didn't learn his lesson. But you know something in both cases of his sin? God has been merciful to him. He trusted God to be merciful to him. And now God is restoring the ears to the locusts of Eden. That's what it says. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Just shut up. Perhaps there's hope. Be quiet. Shut up. Perhaps there's hope. I mean, this is godliness. Just be quiet. Maybe there's hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter, the one that slaps him. Go on, give your cheek to the one that's slapping you. Let him be filled with reproach. Let everybody laugh at you, this poor guy. <laughs> All the people that were cackling over him making such a mm, of himself. For the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion, according to his abundant loving kindness. And so we're going to go out to the wedding. We're going to party with him. And with his bride with her children, with his parents, with his siblings. Because you know something? Scripture says that all the angels rejoice when a single sinner repents. And I love repenting with sinners. What I don't ever want to do is ever be at a wedding where there's no sin. It would be such a joyless affair. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying what you may think I'm saying. I'm not saying I want to go to fornicating weddings. Okay, but I do want to go to weddings where the couple in the process of premarital counseling confess all the ways that they have failed each other, their parents, 
the fears they have about failing their own children and one another, the sins that they struggle with. I don't ever want to go to a good Christian wedding. I'm just not interested. I've done good Christian weddings in Wheaton, and they leave me cold. Okay? Now, 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example to those who believe. And I think I'm going to stop with this one. Don't let anybody look down on your youthfulness, but rather in the way you talk, the way you live, the way you love, the way you have faith in Jesus Christ and your purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. And this is the final thing I want to say. The whole point of being a pastor and of being a father, the whole point of being a mother and a teacher is to watch your children become examples and then die. The goal of life is to die, but to die well. And so what gives me joy is to see the young people of this church taking over the leadership and being an example of godliness. And I know every one of the young people would say, I'm no example of godliness. And I would say, "Uh, yeah, you are. And don't let anybody look down on your youth. Be an example to me. My father used to say that one of the marks of good leadership is that a good leader is always making himself dispensable. Whereas bad leaders are always making themselves indispensable. The whole point of your father raising you is so he can die. Or worse, come live in your house with you and your wife and children. That's the running family joke. Who could tolerate Tim Bailey living with them? (laughs) What are you laughing about? (laughs) Heather, would you like me to go to her house instead of yours? (laughs) And isn't it sweet to see these young men and women up here leading our music and to realize we can get ready to die. I remember the day Tim Wagner, one of our elders, said to me many years ago, Tim, if you weren't here, this church would fold. And I, I thought he was completely wrong at the time. But nobody has any question now whether if I dropped dead, this church would flounder. Look at the leadership we have in this church of men and women. And if the men were to want to be cowards, we have women that would... (laughs) You know, I dare any man in this church to be a coward with the women that you're married to. Right? I mean, can we say this publicly or is it embarrassing? So, young people... Don't sear your conscience. Remember, you will be judged for what happens in your life at this point. Sit under your failures and allow God to rescue you. And then be an example to me. Be an example to me. I need examples because they allow me to die. 
All right? Father, we thank you for our young men and women, and we pray that they will be examples, that they will make common cause with the godly and the righteous and not with pagans and sinners. We pray that you will make them shining lights to those who have callous consciences, that this church will be a beacon, that it will be a lighthouse in this community, and that many will come here and will learn to fear God and to lean in the everlasting arms of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.